Hi there. It's me, Laura Wasser, the divorce attorney and the founder of It's Over Easy, the online divorce service. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, shepherding people through what may be one of the most terrifying times in their lives. Along the way, I often have to remind people to lower their expectations. When dealing with matters of the heart, rules simply don't apply because all's fair in love and war. So welcome to the All's Fair podcast. Fasten your seatbelts and let's go. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains, and this is All's Fair. So for the past 25 years, I've made a living practicing family law, which is really a euphemism for being a divorce attorney. And I really do love my job. What do you love the most about it? I like the problem solving and the conflict resolution. And it's like a puzzle. People come in and I can exactly see what's going to happen in their case. It just takes them a while to figure that out. (laughs) But shepherding them into their next chapter and seeing what happens and how they deal with the conflict and the fear and the sadness. I just love it. And that's why it's become evident to me that people may want everything to be fair. Nothing is fair. I mean, my dad used to always say this to me. I would say, like, it's not fair. And he's like, life isn't fair. But it is true that all's fair in love and war. And that is why we named the podcast what we did. And I just think it's really cool to be able to see those relationships play out and then come talk about a lot of them here. Well, speaking of relationships, I've got a story here. Actually, this is a story you sent to me about the danger of getting into a relationship. (laughs) Because this could happen to you. Yes. Cautionary tale. Um, They met on a dating app. Then he robbed a bank on their first date and forced her to be the getaway driver. I hate it when that happens. (laughs) If you guys want to see this, it was written by Scotty Andrew. It's on CNN.com. And it's also on the It's Over Easy website. But if you just want to be lazy, Johnny will tell you what exactly happened. Yes. So... This unsuspecting woman got on a dating app, and she met a guy. He picked her up. His name is Christopher Castillo. It's it's not a spoiler alert. It's in the article. And he then picks her up. He's drinking a bottle of wine, which I think should have been a dead giveaway <laughs> to, like, it's not going to go well. But in, then he's like, drive to the bank. She acquiesces, drives to the bank, and he proceeds to steal $1,000 from the teller. Oh, my God. By the way, speaking of crazy things that happen in love, I don't know if you heard over the weekend what happened with Amy Harwick, who was a, a sex therapist. And I did. She used yeah, to be terrible. engaged to Drew yeah. Carey. Yeah. I knew her. Mm. What a crazy situation. And she had a restraining order and it yeah. had just terminated. And then she got thrown off a it's balcony. Terrible. I terrible. mean, you know. And that talk about a crime of passion. I mean, that's like a, a such a dark and disastrous thing to happen. If... Again, because again, we are proponents of the legal system, if it is true that the ex-boyfriend is the one who was responsible. Hmm. Innocent until proven guilty. But Time will tell. If I had a magic eight ball, I would (laughs) shake it and it would say, all facts point to yes. If I had an eight ball. Oh, Johnny. (laughs) Anyway, I want to ask you, what is the craziest thing you've heard someone do for money or love? I've heard a lot of crazy things. People ask me a lot about what has happened in, you know, cases that I've had. But just recently we had one and it was like kind of after the fact we had settled the case. It wasn't a divorce, but it was a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship and broken up. And we had a big settlement that we reached over the summer. Big 
big numbers. High net worth numbers. And then totally after the fact, there was a request for a fur coat that had apparently been left at my client's house by his ex. And we had signed a full release and waiver. There wasn't going to, nothing else, nothing else to discuss, nothing else between them, full confidentiality. And yet this fur coat, like I, we spent thousands of dollars writing letters back and forth. Anyway, he was able in storage to find the fur coat and sent it back. But it was one of those things like, really? (laughs) Just, I mean, first of all, who's wearing fur anymore? But second of all, whenever I get these questions about what's the craziest thing, I remember thinking last week and saying to my assistant, like, now this is new in the ranks, this goddamn fur coat. Right, right. and it's really just a big waste of time and money. Yep. Hmm. But And then the moral of the story is don't leave your shit at other people's houses if you're going to break up. Take that fur coat with you. You heard it here first, folks. But love and money, to help us unpack all of this, I am very thrilled to introduce you to a trusted professional colleague of mine who also went to high school with Johnny and me. She is a frequent contributor to the It's Over Easy Insights blog, and she's one of the most highly regarded business managers and financial consultants in Los Angeles. She's also a certified money coach who works with clients to help them understand their conscious and unconscious relationships with money, which is just one of the topics we're going to cover today. So listen up and let me introduce to you Carrie Hausner Kasdan. Welcome to All's Fair, Carrie. Thank you, guys. Welcome. I'm so psyched to have you here. So I've known you forever. We went to Beverly Hills High School together. But tell our listeners a little bit about you and your journey and why you do what you do and how you do it so well. Oh, my gosh. So I've been doing it for a long time now. I've been doing it for over 25 years. You know, out of school, I started working in the movie business. And I sort of realized it wasn't really a career I could have a balanced life. So then I started working for a business management firm and got an eye-opening view of people and their relationship to money, which was really something, I mean, growing up in Beverly Hills, you sort of see it, but we were kids and there wasn't social media. And so you didn't know what all the kids know today. And so I started working with people. And as we were doing all of the accounting aspects of business management, I was fascinated with the interpersonal and the emotional aspects of what was going on and what makes somebody a spender and what makes somebody a saver. And so when I started my own company doing that, I always sort of took a more holistic, non-judgmental approach to really understanding the why. Because I'm always fascinated. I have clients, they make a dollar, they spend a dollar twenty-five. And others make a dollar and spend 30 cents, and they're still living in L.A., and it's just fascinating And who you partner up with. And if, you know, a spender marries a spender or a spender marries a saver or two mm. savers get married and how that plays out. I think that's, I mean, again, we, we've talked about this before, why we do what we do and how interesting it is from, so a, from a human nature standpoint. One of the things I will say about Carrie, because I refer her a ton of clients and a lot of them are women. It just happens to be that way. Right. Obviously, you do both. But the non-judgmental piece of what you say, I work with a lot of business managers. And what I love about Carrie is she can get a new client who's figuring out what her post-divorce budget's going to be. 
And if this woman says, I-, I know I have to dial it back and I know that I may not be able to have like my weekly massage and go on these kind of trips and fly private or whatever, but I need to have that La Mer face cream that's $195 right. for a teeny bottle. Carrie's like, I get it. Let's figure out how to make that work. And I love that because I know so many business managers who are shamers, which that doesn't work for anybody, or they're afraid to say anything. Right. And then you've got these people who've spent all their money and they turn back to the business manager and say, how did you let this happen to me? But I have found, you know, I have some clients and I always say, just because you can afford the alcohol, you shouldn't be an alcoholic. Right. And I have one client who has a lot of money and she spends a lot of money and her investment advisor said, well, she just needs to be put on a budget and stick to the budget. I said, unless we understand the why of why she's spending, of why she feels this need, it won't change. So year one didn't change, year two. Finally, we started talking about what it is and it's, Sometimes it's so deep rooted, it's not what you think. Like it's Som- not filling a hole. No, sometimes you think, well, it's, they don't work and they have a lot of free time. And so they go to Neiman Marcus and it's all good. That's just how they fill their days. But a lot of times it's not it because it, it doesn't bring them joy. So right. then they're shopping and then they have terrible guilt and terrible pain and resentment. And so it sort of isn't matching it. So I'm trying to get people to be more mindful with what do you want to fill your life with? And then how can money be used to help you achieve those goals? That's all. And what about like, my dad always tells me like, I've got a depression era mentality when it comes to spending. That you like, have one? Yes. yes. I'm, trying to bust, I'm trying to bust out of that. But like I do, I'm like a total saver. I'm always worried. I never, you know, I'm finally in the last few years like saying, okay, you can afford this, we can do this. But yeah, he says he's like, and and also I support a lot of people. And so I'm always trying, you know, it seems like an overwhelming amount of mouths to feed, so to speak, which people are also like, my business manager's like, you need to relax. Like, you know, do something for yourself. You don't need to be worried about those other people. Well, Johnny. (laughs) No, you just keep worrying, please. (laughs) Well, there is, you know, I mean, it's interesting because you don't see that many people. We see our parents with that depression era mentality and they really I mean didn't say they saved and saved I think our generation spends more from what I'm told that what is it Gen X or Gen Mm -hmm. Z Gen X they really just they make it and they spend it but you know I also work with creative types so it's hard it's hard when you're working with a an actor a writer producer that could make a lot of money this year and nothing next year right and and you know or have a great career I always say life is long uh-huh. And you don't know. Right. And it right. gets really, you think that, you know, while your kids are young, it's expensive and you're educating them, that's expensive. And then I think you get a little break until you get old. Right. You know, and sometimes when you're old. Well, it's not coming in as much either. It's not coming in as much. And sometimes health stuff right. gets expensive. Yes. So, you know, again, I just try to make people more mindful and more in control. I find when people are post breakup, a lot of times it's like, well, now I can't do this and I can't do that. And this is being done to me and this is being taken away from me. And I try to rephrase it as, listen, you're making a choice for a more peaceful life. Right. So with a peaceful life, maybe comes a smaller house. With a peaceful life and not a jerk of a husband or a wife, you know, it's fine. Right. You drive a smaller car, but you're at peace, right. which is more important. You know, I had a client one time and the husband was cheating on her. So we started doing all of this stuff. And she says, I just can't deal with making all of these financial choices. And I said, very honestly, 
you have to deal with one thing or another. You either have to deal with your husband cheating or you have to deal with this. No judgment. And she ended up getting back together with her husband. Wow. Which was, she well, chose to deal with that. Now they're divorced, but <laughs> she did. And listen, I respect it. You know, they had kids together. It's not an easy decision to make. But I don't know. I just like to empower people. I feel people find finances overwhelming because they think it's scarier and more complicated than a lot of times it is. Right. The more they do it, they realize it's not that hard. And that applies to people who have like her shopping at Neiman Marcus, like you mentioned, or people who are shopping at Target. Whatever. Oh, sure. I mean, you'll see a lot of people, you know, there just needs to be a little surplus to when you start making those decisions. Okay, you have two teenagers, yes? I have two teenagers. What is their relationship to money? How have you, the expert, been able to imbue them with a a greater wisdom? I have two teenagers. My daughter now is almost, you know, she's 16 and a half. So we started with an allowance where I say, listen, you have to learn, especially on the West Side, especially in private school, habits. So if you're always getting your nails done, you're always going to Soul Cycle, and you're always buying this and that. Those and the are coffees and the coffees, and you're always going to <laughs> coffee, and you're always right. Those are expensive habits. Make a choice. You're going right. out to lunch, and it's thirty dollars. I mean, I think we used to go to McDonald's, didn't we? <laughs> no, we were in the high cafe school? Beverly no, Hills. We did not go to McDonald's. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, think my mom took us to McDonald's when I was little. When like I that was, was little. Saturday night, but like when we were like teens, La no. Scala. Let's go old world, you know, know, we would save our shekels and we would, but that was also a sense of independence that you got figuring out how to get where you were going. There was no Uber. So you had to get a bus or get a ride from somebody's parents and then get back and walking around and then having enough. You didn't want to be the one that didn't have the money to pay for the lunch or for the movies. You know, I try to get my kids to, I try to limit the excess. And if you really want something, Think about it, work for it, and I promise you'll enjoy it more. And they do. Right. When you pay for something with your own money, when you have a little skin in the game, I think you appreciate it more. I think you take better care of it more. I totally agree. I absolutely agree with that. I remember. And I was, we were talking to Kim Kardashian West last week. She like had a whole little like cottage industry where she'd buy like, you know, six or seven pairs of like Elias shoes that her dad would loan her the money to buy. Then she'd sell them to her friends and make money. I remember we would have like lemonade stands so that I could get enough to buy a pair of guest jeans, you know, with the zippers on the ankles. Those were like the hot thing. Everybody else just got guest jeans. I had to like save. My parents were like, we'll match you for your first car. And I do. Maybe that's why I have the depression era mentality. But (laughs) I do appreciate what I have. And sometimes, and I wanted to ask you about this too, we'll talk about the different types of money personalized. Sometimes I feel so blessed that I'm almost embarrassed. Like it's an embarrassment of riches. Like I don't want to talk about, you know, uh, the the new house that I bought or the car or where my kids are at private school because I do feel embarrassed. Well, I think, listen, I think we always want to be humble, right? We want to be grateful and we want to be humble and we don't want to come across as braggadocious. So, and, and I, you know, I don't want to be negative, but I always say to even my kids, life is long. Knock on wood, everything's been great so far. It's only been 16 years. Right. You've been really fortunate. You know, you have a good head start. Life is long. You got to take these tools that you've learned and, you know. How do you save? How do you get people to save? How do I get people to save? That's the million dollar question. So I 
for a lot of clients, we take it off the top. Okay. I mean, well, what we do is we sit and we say, okay, you tell me what your priorities are. Right. Right. You talk to your spouse or if you're single, you tell me what's number one. Is it savings? Is it lifestyle? Is it travel? Is it clothes? Is it home? Whatever it is, then let's match it. If you say savings is a priority, let's take it off the top and then create a lifestyle. People do it backwards. Right. They say, I want to save, I want to save. And whatever's left. But I have to pay for private school and I have to have this car and I have to belong to this club and I have to take this trip and I have to eat at these restaurants. And then there was nothing left for savings. Right. So if savings is a priority, it comes off the top. All right. Now, how did you learn to do this? When did you decide to kind of branch out on so your own? I went back because, like I said, I was always fascinated with some of my clients. Right. I used them as my test cases. And so I went back and got certified as a money coach. Okay. Well, now, what really, does that mean? What's the difference between that business manager, financial planner? Tell our listeners. So a business manager really is doing all the accounting and the bookkeeping and the day-to-day and the tax and really dealing with the numbers. And I feel a money coach is really dealing with the interpersonal and the feelings and the emotions behind the numbers. And that's a different certification. It's a different certification. And I think that a lot of times... You know, some accountants, they're very black and white. And they say, well, the numbers are, say this, you should do X. Well, okay. But, you know, it doesn't work unless you get to the emotion. So I have found the combination of both, we can make baby steps to change behaviors. It doesn't change overnight. If you've always been a spender and I say to you, Laura, you're divorced now, you can't be a spender. You're going to go crazy unless we sort of baby step you into into Right. And a lot of times, you know, it's just trimming some fat. So do you recommend then that people work with an accountant and a money coach and a manager? You know, I recommend that if you find that you have, it depends what your personality is and what your circumstances are going to be post-divorce. And you might be able to find somebody like Carrie who does more than one thing. That's right. We sort of do it at the same time. We sort of, when we're doing the budget, we really sort of think about it. And if the numbers are too high, we say, okay, listen, maybe, you know, you tell me. Private school in LA is a big thing and housing is a big thing. Right. Where do people waste money? Again, waste is a relative word. People, people... Universally. Universally, I can, if somebody says I need to cut back without even seeing, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you where it is. Meals and entertainment, clothing, personal, hair, makeup, nails, and travel. That's it. Done. We can cut the fat there. You can still take a trip. You can still eat out. But that's where I find where every meal is $300 on a Tuesday night. And, you know, I mean, it's like, right, right, a family of four that that's where I find is the easiest to cut the fat because you're not going to move out of your house and you're not going to change your schools. And when your lease is up, maybe, but I mean, that may not happen for a little while. Yeah. I mean, if you have a private plane around and we need to cut some fat, we could get rid of that, but it's never one ginormous expense. Okay. So you decide to leave the firm you're at and you start Summit Financial Management. Okay. So tell us what Summit Financial might give yourself a little plug here. What do you guys do? I I mean, I think our listeners can hear how you're different. I've explained how I think you're a little bit different. But what do you guys do? What does that mean if you have a financial manager, a money coach, some a Carrie Hausner Kasdan looking over your money? So what we do is we really take care of all of your day-to-day financial needs. 
and we do it from obviously an accounting point of view, but also I like to say from an emotional holistic point of view as well for the clients that need it. Some clients don't need it. Some clients come in and we're purely, they're busy, they're successful, they have it, they don't have money issues, and we're just servicing those clients. Okay. So, you know, what I really enjoy, I mean, that's sort of one aspect of what we do with clients. But then as people are going through transitions, I have found, and and like you said, I tend to work, while I do work with some men going through divorce, I work with a lot more women who, when people get married, they lose confidence because sometimes they have just not exercised that financial muscle. And so it's- they abdicate int- their financial they responsibility. They abdicate their financial responsibilities. Exactly. And they're not even informed. Right. So I just, I like the education piece. So, I mean, I we do that with our clients as well. And we really, when you're, listen, when you're in somebody's financial life, you really get to know them well. Oh yes. It's a very oh, intimate yes. relationship. And, and it's and, and again, I say this to people all the time. They come to me and they're just mortified that they don't know what they make or what they okay. spend or what they have. And I say you're never gonna be in this position again. You are gonna get this education. Right. It is going to be so empowering. The other thing that I say to a lot of young people is don't abdicate. Get in there. You don't necessarily have to be the one balancing the checkbook. That's what I but say. But get in there with the business manager That's once what a quarter. I say. Find out what's happening. Develop the relationship. I mean, yes. they have a fiduciary duty to both of you. Of and course. now backpedal even a little bit more. People are always on me like, oh, God, prenups, they're so not romantic. They're so unsexy. Whether you have a prenup or not, right. having these frank discussions about spending and expectations right. is huge because like you said, you've got the spenders and you've got the savers. Can a spender and a saver peacefully coexist? No, it's tough. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. So you have to have, have some clients, ground rules. I have clients and, and one's a saver and one's a spender. And I mean, I always say, Yell at me. Don't right. take it home to your spouse. I hear you, but they want to be heard. They want to be understood. They go to therapy to come to a compromise. Are the spenders the earners? Are they the one or are the spenders? Not always. So, Not always, So you've got no. these four things. You've got the breadwinners and then you've got the maybe person that earns less or none. And then you've got the spenders and you've got this. I can imagine being the breadwinner and being like, well, I make this money. I should be able to spend it. But sure. I can also imagine being the breadwinner and saying, I make this money and you're out there spending it. That's this right. is not cool. This is not cool. But yet, you know, it's not illegal. Right. 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 I mean, I had somebody going through divorce and he said, you know, I'm building this firm and she's out shopping. You created this monster, dude. It's not illegal. Right. In fact, it's community property. It's community property. So people, you know, we always say they get married so young and you don't realize. They said, what do you mean? You know. I'm sure you hear it all the time. What do you mean I have to pay them? Right. What do you mean? Well, what were you thinking? Like, right. Why didn't you discuss this before? That's right. And again, keep an eye on it. Just like some people completely abdicate the financial responsibility. Some people completely throw, they're not even paying attention to what's going no. on. And the person who is the spender is like, well, it's not just me. It's the kids. I'm in charge of the household. I have to pay all the people that work in our house right. that I hire. I mean, What's your stance, generally speaking, Carrie, on credit cards? How many credit cards should a person have? Should oh we have gosh. one for every department no. store and every different no. airline? Or can no. we just have two? Or how does I that work? I like less is more. I think it simplifies things. I think, you know, listen, I like mileage and I like <laughs> mileage points. So why would you want them spread all over? I like American Express. I like some kind of visa, whether you like to fly American or you like, you know, everybody is a little different, whatever right. they want. 
I don't think you need so many. I think when you have a lot, my clients that have a lot are my overspender clients. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, this bill was only three grand and this bill was only six grand and this bill. It looks so much better when That's it's broken right. into small little <laughs> That's bites. That's right. And I like one big punch because I think they feel it more. And first of all, if you lose your wallet, it's a nightmare. For your credit scores, a lot of time people don't realize that. Yeah. It looks like you have a lot of available credit. It can lower your credit score. Oh. You see, even though you don't use it. Right. The way the banks look at it is, well, she has available credit of $150,000 combined or 200, whatever the number is between all these cards. Yeah. Oh, wow. That you're not using. Okay, at the top of the show, we spoke a little about the conscious and unconscious relationships people have with money. Let's take a look at how those relationships are related to what financial coaches call our money personality. Let's start with discussing the main eight archetypes of money personalities. Okay, so we when we work with clients, we find that everybody, well, most people fall into one main type of money archetype, hmm. and there's eight, and the eight are there's the innocent, the victim, the warrior, the martyr, the fool, the creator artist, the tyrant, the magician. Okay, so I think some of these like overlap. Tell me they, what the yeah. difference. They sound like, first of all, they sound like tarot cards. What's right. the difference so between of, the fool and the creator artist? So some of them Johnny. do overlap. <laughs> so a fool would be somebody who, uh, a gambler or somebody who's always looking for a get rich quick scheme. Ah, okay. I know that, that person. Could be. A creator okay. artist type could be, you know, a painter who really has to, who is very creative, but also has to sort of live in the financial world a little bit. But isn't that the innocent too? No. So the innocent a lot of times is like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, happy go lucky. I'm kind of like the fool. So the right. innocent, okay. I mean, or like the, you know, they don't, they don't want to know. Right. And then the victim I, is like always like, like, but for this, I well, would be. Well, a victim yeah. is exactly a lot of times stuck in the past right. and blaming other people. Oh, right. you know, right. my because of my ex, right. I right. can't afford to yeah. do this. And right. Okay. So now, now what's the difference between like the tyrant and the warrior? Okay. So the tyrant. I'm going to be on this side <laughs> of the page, aren't I? Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm dying to so, know what your you know, money type is. Or a your tyrant, money as you can imagine, could be, and listen, money represents a lot of emotions, a little more controlling, controlling and using money to express love and to mm. s- express control and power. The warrior is kind of a nice place to be. It's, listen, I'm confident with my decisions that I make. Both of them usually are financially successful. Right. So I think, you know, they're not so different, right? You can make a lot of money, by the way, with any of these archetypes. So it's not about whether or not you're going to be financially successful or not. It's just how you relate. A lot of times the tyrant, while they may have a lot of money, they may not have good interpersonal relationships with their kids. Right. Right. I mean, it's like succession. Right. Right. Interesting. What's the magician? Just at always uh, no. So the magician is a good one. That is sort of where you have sort of manifested this balance between spiritual world, a financial world. You know, you're living in the present, but you're not a fool. You're not only living for today, right? Which is different. You're enjoying things. You're understanding. Sort of. You know, you have a little faith. Everything is going to be okay, but not blinded. It's going to be okay because I have planned. Because I work. 
because I'm making these things happen. And then I think the martyr, that might be me. The (laughs) martyr, you know, you're taking care of a lot of people. And sometimes you could be controlling. Uh So, yeah, yeah. yeah. carry on. (laughs) Well, because, I mean, you gave us the quiz earlier, so I'm dying to know what the results are of the dun 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 Okay, so I gave you both the quiz. A lot of people are dominant in one specific archetype. Yes. Neither of you were. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Laura was more all over. You were equally magician, warrior, which is great, innocent, martyr, and creator artist. I think you were just checking. You were like, I'm trying to, because I'm really trying to be, maybe I'm getting it. You were the lowest in fool. Right. I'm trying, well, (laughs) I think I'm trying to be more innocent, more creator, trying to be able to kind of enjoy the money, spend it on things that make me happy, you know, in the here and now. So maybe I'm just, I didn't know about magician at the time when I was filling that out. But But I definitely. You also are very generous. You have a generous nature, you have a generous heart. Where does that fall into these personalities? can fall into a lot of different mm-hmm. personalities. So there isn't one generous can be a characteristic of a lot of them. Martyrs can be generous. Mm. They a just warrior keep can, telling you about it. When they get right. up on the a, cross well, and nail themselves the way, in. They, you know, or they don't take care of themselves. A right. martyr is like, listen, I had to do for you. I couldn't do for me. Ah. A tyrant may take care of you and then remind you. Right, right. And then expect you to do something because I right. took care of you. So, you know, it's not so cut and dry and, and I think as we get older, we sort of can change between these. A lot of these are formed from, I was saying, early childhood. Right. So the way that you were raised, it's amazing when you look at this. And, and this is just one piece of what we do. But right. when we go back and work with clients, we take it back to their earliest money memories and what they felt they picked up from their mother and what they felt they picked up from their father and what they felt they picked up along the way. And it's amazing how in the same household... You know, my brother and I grew up in the same household. I'm much more like, when it comes to money, my father. Yes. Than, and my brother's much more like my mother. Yes. I don't know so why. That's so That's interesting. our family. Exactly. Totally. My brother is so chill. He doesn't so necessarily chill. care. I'm much more materialistic. I'm much more financially motivated. And again, we're three years apart, same household, it's totally different so, relationships with money. It's just what you pick up. So when we... Look at these things. You know, when I worked with a client one time who was a spender, it really was because as a child, her mother put so much on how you look and put makeup on and wear these clothes and all of her worth as a small child was based on external features. So now wow. she's a grown woman hmm. with a great husband and a great family. And she still has this core belief system. If I don't look a certain way, I'm not worthy. If I don't dress a certain way, I won't have friends. If I don't it's unbelievable. Wow. And so, and and again, it does not bring her joy. The spending, it's a crazy cycle. They spend and then they feel guilty and then they feel shameful and then they feel, some of them feel used. Right. Oh, I went into the store. Well, yeah, the girls at Chanel, they'll be really nice to you. Right. The girls at Neiman's, they'll come over. They'll right. send you clothes. They'll fly you wherever, you know. They're not That's your friend. Their job. That's their job. They're not your friends. So you, I mean, people ask me all the time, but it really you too are a bit of a therapist. A I mean, you got to get therapist. in there. And I like that. Sure. That's what I'm saying. I think that's maybe what differentiates me from others is that I don't think all business managers like that. They're like, right. I don't even want to know. I don't want to, I can't even believe you waste your time hearing their sob stories. Right. 
But I like people. I sure. like the why. That's what sets you why? apart. Well, it's just something that I really enjoy. And that's how you can problem solve better because you have the why and you know what it will take to that's get right. to the other end. So you have in your most recent article on the It's Over Easy Insights blog, Can Money Make or Break Your Marriage? And you write about the relationship people have with money vis-a-vis their relationship with their spouse. Well, I think it's really interesting. You know, again, people get married and they don't ask these questions. It's sort of as a taboo and everybody's good when everything, everyone's, their mouth is quiet when everything's good. I'm at the country club, I'm here, I'm there. And then when things get rocky, it's like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that we never invested. I didn't know that we weren't saving money. I didn't know that he had this family money. And so I didn't he was know keeping... that he had this other family. Right. <laughs> right. I didn't know that he had this that other family. That must be the innocent personality. <laughs> but I have clients literally where, you know, one spouse comes from family money. So maybe the husband has family money. So all the money he earns, they spend. Mm-hmm. Right. So I said, you know, just so you know, if you get divorced... You're not going to get anything. Right. But because of that, and they weren't going to get divorced, but now she's afraid to speak up. Right. Now you, the balance in the relationship is off because you're afraid to speak your mind with your spouse. You shouldn't be. No. You know, I mean, they should have as much to lose if the relationship breaks up as you. Right. So I find, or, you know, I mean, I was telling Johnny, somebody, they chose to stay at home and take care of their kids. Great. And, and the spouse works. Now they want to go and get a, a loan for a side project. Well, you can't get a loan if you don't make money. Right, right. Without your spouse signing on it. That was a revelation. They had no idea that was the case. Yeah. So there are just certain things, or they had no idea where their money was invested. No idea. I'm, I'm sure we have money invested. I don't know. I don't handle any of that. I don't see any of that. I always say you should. Yeah, and you more should. women than men. Get in there, ladies. More Come women on. than men. You know, there's a whole thing that women don't invest as much. Right. So when you pose the question in your article, can money make or break your marriage, what would you say the answer is? Well, I, if you look at, at and, and you can tell me how right I am, a lot of causes of divorce are financial. And it's not financial that there isn't enough money. Right. It's just that they deal with it differently. It's and they, one of the and big they don't communicate well at the outset or when things, I mean, right. that when things start going, look, every relationship is, there's a deal, there are terms. I mean, you see these not very attractive older men with these beautiful younger women. And yes, he probably has a fantastic personality and right. a huge penis. I'm sure he does. I'm He's sure. great in bed. So. I'm sure. All of that being said, there is probably some kind of a financial right. dynamic there as well. And if that changes and he starts making far less money, then she may say, okay, something here has changed. Or by the same token, she has a baby and doesn't take off the baby. Something in the dynamic changes. And one, there is that fact. And right. two, there is the ability to kind of communicate and talk through it, right. which you can come out the other side, but you have to be able to discuss it and hopefully have somebody great like you that, as, a, as an objective person to discuss it with. I mean, wouldn't it be refreshing if somebody said, listen, I married this guy for his money. I didn't really love him. I had a great run. Now, you know, I think I'm going to get a divorce. Right. It's like, okay, great. Then let's come up with the plan. Right. No judgment. Okay. Right. I mean, if that's the choice you made and that's how you wanted to live your last 10 years or 20 years, great. But they never say that they because they're still ashamed to say that. And people don't own it. I don't, it's not even just the shame. I think they don't even admit they don't it to own themselves. It. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I've, I've met with people and, and they'll be post breakup and I'll say, listen, you don't have enough money to last you the rest of your life. What's the plan? Is the plan you're going to get a job? 
Or is the plan, and I wrote this in one of the articles, you're going to get another husband. Right. And I've had clients say, well, I don't want to work. And I say, fine. Like, let's get you then out let's there. Let's get you another <laughs> husband. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be a plan I would pick. Right. But if that's the plan you want to pick. Own it and get on Bumble and let's go. Let's figure it out. Right. You're listening to All's Fair with Laura Wasser. That's me. And as I've said, this show is about love, war, and everything in between. At its core, the show is about creating a place where we can examine and discuss and learn about all sorts of relationships. Even your relationship with money is up for inspection here on All's Fair. And today we're speaking with financial expert and money coach, Carrie Hausner-Kasdan, who has developed a specialty working with individuals who are in the process of reorganizing their lives following a divorce. Carrie, is marriage a business? Well, in some regards, marriage is a business. Family is a business. Yeah. So there is the business of marriage like there is the business of family. And I mean, what I am seeing- you can sleep around at work like you can for a regular business, I guess. I'm seeing a lot more now. I mean, we've talked about kind of a lot of the women who don't necessarily, are not breadwinners, and they don't really know anything about the finances. But I do have clients who will come in if the husband's the breadwinner, and I'll say, so what does it cost you guys to live, you know, in a month or a year? And he will say, I don't know. I make the money. She takes care of all it. She writes every bill. She writes every check. She manages everything. I like that because I think there's a little bit, I would like it better if both people knew what was going right. on, but I really like the idea. That seems like more of a partnership to me. If one person's out there in the world earning the money and the other person's dealing with the business of the family, if you've, if you've got a lot and you're paying staff and employees, or if it's just you kind of figuring out, cutting the coupons and what you're going to buy for the week's worth right. of food to you know have for the kids, I think that is an interesting dynamic that we are seeing more these days. Are you finding that? I find that I still think even if you're the breadwinner out earning the money, you need to check in every now and I'm not saying every night at dinner you need to say what you spend today. <laughs> right. But maybe twice a year. Absolutely. Say quarterly, hey, because even these breadwinners, then they wake up from one day and they say, I had no idea my spouse spent all of this. I had no idea. I had no idea. Right. The most successful people sometimes say they have no idea. Again, I think they need to have quarterly or even semi-annual check-ins on everything, on investments, on insurances, and on their finances, and on their joint plan. Right. They need to say, as a family, this is what we value, and let's put the dollars towards what we value. People say to me, I'm thinking about getting divorced. Like maybe this woman that her husband was having the affair and she said, okay, I'm going to stick with this now. I'm not going to leave yet. How would you tell somebody within bounds of legality to kind of plan? Is it mostly educating yourself? Okay, so I would say to educate yourself. I do say, and I say even when you're married, you need to have a credit card in your name. You need to have a bank account in your name. And that doesn't just mean, guys, that your name's on the card, your own account. You are the primary card holder with your own credit line. So those are things I think you if you haven't done it while you're married, if you're thinking of getting a divorce... Now's the time to do it because it will be even harder to do when you get a divorce. And if your husband or your wife, someone decides to be a jerk and cut off the credit, you're not so stranded. Right. 
It doesn't happen that much anymore, guys, by the way. If somebody eliminates the status quo when you separate, generally some lawyer will go flying into court and the judge will demand that it be turned back on or whatever. That being said, don't even have to think about it. Don't have have your own card. You have enough other stuff to think about. Don't think about that. So, I mean, I don't tell people start stashing money away. I'm sure people do. I do kind of say these Think about everything. Don't just make it. It's such a big emotional decision, but it's also a big financial decision. So just know what you're getting into before you decide. I'm not, you know, one way or another. You'll be fine, hopefully, if you're better prepared. Right. Absolutely. And there's a ton of information about this topic on the It's Over Easy Insights blog. Um, including your articles. I tell everyone who's going to get divorced, <laughs> go to Laura's website, read these articles. And it's one of free, my best it's friends. One of my best friends got divorced the last year. And the first thing I said is, go on this website, listen to her podcast. There's a lot of great information. Because the more you know, isn't that a public service? The less you phone. Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, I didn't even have the gay spin on it. Okay, the more you know, the less you phone. Thank right. you very much. What about... After, post-divorce, I know you wrote another article, Managing Your Post-Divorce Finances. Last summer, you wrote that on the blog. What are some of the ways you've seen people kind of start their next chapters? Like you say, what's the plan? They may not have one yet, but what are some, what are some of the great plan success so, stories? So, you know, we work, you know, a lot of it is people think, oh, well, the, well, there's different ways, like I said, post-divorce to get money. So you can either work to support yourself, which I always find is the best plan. You sort of control your own destiny. Some people are going to get divorced, and in their settlement, they're going to have enough money to last them a lifetime. That can happen too. That's one option. A lot of times it doesn't happen. A lot of times they have enough money for 10 years, 12 years, 14 years, but we sort of want to plan out a little bit farther if you're going to inherit family money. But again, that's not a lot. That's a very... Right, small and you section. can't count on that. It's always and you can't those count rich on that relatives that or just you live get, forever. <laughs> you know, or you can get remarried. So all of those other things, rather than you controlling your boat, come with strings. Right. And what's so funny is a lot of people get married and they divorce, and they say, "I was tired of being controlled. I don't want to be controlled by anybody with his money anymore." Okay, so are you going to get a job? Nope. <laughs> and what's the so bit, why, why don't they want to get a job is it because they don't want to start at the bottom it's been too mm-hmm. long to get back and yes. I've had a lot of people say to me the amount of money that I'll have to pay for childcare almost negates what I'd be earning I think it's a multitude I think that they've lost their confidence they've lost their mojo they can get it back but they need to just take one step at a time right, they, right. they've been out of the workforce for a while and they don't want to start at the bottom and maybe these days we can't even start at the bottom. We don't have the computer skills, the tech. I mean, but sometimes the women that have to start at the bottom rise pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, they really do, and they feel good when you make your own money. It feels good. It's Absolutely. hard to tell that to somebody who doesn't make their own money, and I tell that to my kids. Right, it feels really good when you use your money that you've made, that you've worked for, that you get the recognition for. And what do you say to the people that say, oh, I worked for this money. I was married to him for 15 well, years and I did not a day went by that I wasn't working That's it. true. That is true, <laughs> Like too. Donna Summers said, she worked hard for the money. She That's did right. work. <laughs> Carrie, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Okay. Which relationship in your life has had the most profound impact? I would probably say 
my mom. I was going to say that. By the way, tell our I audience what I've ha- spoken on a couple panels and shows with your mom. What does your mom do? Oh, so funny. <laughs> funny enough, along. I know. So my mom works with families. My mom was a child psychologist, is a family consultant, works in a similar capacity to me, but with big multi-generational families on issues of wealth and transference. So she really sees families completely uh, discombobulated and she sort of helps them get back on track again from a psychological point of view and set up family foundations and talk about transferring money to children and grandchildren and how to not completely, uh, you know, get them completely messed up with zero incentive to work. Or, and she's so smart. And she so knows bright. family dynamics so well. She's so wise. And she's so, I always say it's because she's from the Midwest. She's just, talk about non-judgmental. She's just very stable, non-judgmental. I think she taught me great values, you know, great communication skills. So, Okay, so that was a good person. That was the a most good profound person. impact. My mom was from the Midwest too. Yes. Those Midwestern moms, they were good. Solid. Mams, your mom. <laughs> what's your favorite love song, Carrie? Oh, God, I was thinking about this. You know what song I like is Broken Road by Rascal Flatts. Okay. You know oh, that that's song? a good yes. one. Yes. That's a good one. Okay. That's what is one. the one piece of advice you'd share with either your 20-something-year-old self or somebody following in your footsteps, Maybe, maybe one of your kids? Be financially independent. Yeah. Be informed. Don't ever let somebody else completely control that. It's too risky. Very smart. That's what I would and you say. don't have to be twenty something to take that advice, guys. Yes. All right. Which romantic comedy could you watch on repeat? I mean, I think I gotta say Love Actually. I love it so Excellent. much. It's so Excellent. good. So good. That's a good one. Carrie, thank you for being here with us today thank on you. All's Fair. Where can people find you and more information about Summit Financial Management? They can go to my website, summitla.com, and my email is carrie at summitla.com. Summit is S-U-M-M-I-T, Summit LA. And thanks so much for being here, oh, Carrie. Thank you, guys. This was fun. <laughs> it's fantastic. Carrie, you are Great. wonderful. Thank thanks. you. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today on All's Fair. Carrie was and is excellent. Absolutely. Whatever your relationship is with money, it's human relationships that we believe matter most. And that's what we're dedicated to exploring right here with you every week. Tell us what you liked about today's show and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. And keep up with us at It's Over Easy on social and with Laura at Laura Wasser Official on Instagram, where you'll find some very stylish clothes. TTFN, which Johnny tells me means... (laughs) Ta-ta? Ta-ta for now. (laughs) Kill me. (laughs) 